Kia ora and welcome to the New Zealand Improv Festival Audio Archive, bringing you live recordings and conversations from New Zealand's annual celebration of spontaneous theatre. This season, we bring you our conversation series. In each episode, a trio of improvisers come together to talk about what lights them up, what challenges them, and what keeps them excited about the future of improv. In this episode, we hear from Jennifer O'Sullivan and Christine Brooks from Tifunga Noyatara, Wellington, and Laura Irish from Fakatu, Nelson. This podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at Bats Theatre in October 2021. And now presenting the NZIF 2021 Conversation Series. Uh, hello everybody, um, welcome to another one of these amazing uh, panel series. Um, as you know, we have a live studio audience. Can everyone... Yes, they're so, they're so good at improvising. They knew what I was going to say before I even said it. Um, we are simpatico. Um, and we have three amazing panellists um, here today. Um, we have Laura Irish, Jennifer O'Sullivan um, and Christine Brooks. And I will uh, let you all introduce yourselves. Um, if you could introduce yourselves, let us know your uh, pronouns and just a little bit about uh, your, if you could summarise your improv in um, one animal and an adjective, that would be great. Hello everyone in the ether. My name is Laura Irish and I'm gonna describe my animal as a, a hungry monkey. That's my improv style. Wonderful. <laughs> is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. Okay, thank you, Jennifer yeah. O'Sullivan. Oh, that's me. Hello, I'm Jennifer O'Sullivan. My pronouns are she and her. And I, um, oh, but for some reason, uh, the word fastidious came to mind. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that's me as an improviser. I think that's me as an organizer. Uh, but as an improviser, I think I am a joyful frog. <laughs> Kia ora, uh, Christine. Uh, she, they. I, manatee was the animal that leapt to mind. <laughs> <laughs> They're like these sort of cows of the sea and they just like swim around um the adjective wise i'm just sort of like maybe an unexpected manatee that you don't you're maybe you're in a swimming pool and you're like manatees should not be in this water and then yeah i don't know that that doesn't make any sense it makes uh, great sense thank you so much for letting me throw you under the bus like that um i know you guys have some questions to kind of um prompt this off so we'll talk for as all the other ones have, 30, 35 minutes, and then we'll turn it over to our live audience um, for some questions. Hey team, it's Laura here. Uh, I should have said before my pronouns are she, they. And I, um, I have a question for you both, my dear, dear friends. Um, it's really a controversial question. And um, I've been listening to all of these forums this week and um, really taking in a lot of new information and everyone's opinions and things. And um, we found a lot of things that we need to question in improv and maybe some things that we could, um, some, some ideas that have been thrown into the kind of mixing bowl uh, of things that need to be improved in improv itself and improv culture. And so my controversial question to you is, what's awesome? <laughs> what do we wanna keep? in the bowl of improv and what do we love um, 
yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things in this world at the moment where we're fixing on how uh, we're fixating on how to fix things. And I would really like to know what doesn't need fixing. I was watching um, the lightning talks the other night, and I was struck by the fact that struck struck <laughs> lightning. Oh, I didn't. Yes, exactly. By the fact that so Anne Moon did a incredible presentation featuring a felt rat called Social Rat who had had some problems on social media <laughs> and and I think had been created at like a felt puppet festival. Is this correct? Is my recollection correct? Yeah. Um, and it was sort of a, a duo between... So Anne Moon was sort of trying to deliver a lightning talk and her puppet kept on getting in the camera. And it was probably my favourite performance of the festival so far. And I was like, if the improv has brought Anne Moon to the stage, and that doesn't need fixing. <laughs> yes, amen. Jennifer? I agree 100% because Social Rat has brought me so much joy. I, I think that the things we need to keep are... The fun. Um, I mean, because that, but personally for me, that's why I'm here. That's why I do it. It's for the fun and the connection. Um, and I think that all the things we're doing to, f like all the things, all the work we're doing fixing stuff is so that we can have more fun and so that we can get more joy out of this. Like we're just squeezing more and more joy out or like realizing that we've been squeezing the wrong part of the rock. I don't know why it's a rock. You, can, yeah. uh, you know, we've been well, maybe we've been squeezing the wrong teat of the manatee. Um, what the hell was that? Keep going. Um, more metaphors. More, um, more metaphors. We've been trying. We've been barking up the wrong tree. No, we've just been only barking up some trees, and there are so many more trees that we could be milking <laughs> for fun, and we're not doing it enough yet. And I think that. I think that every time we're working on an accessibility initiative, we're working on how do we get paid so we can pay our bills so we can do this? How do we fund improv? How do we fund each other? How do we, uh, how do, we do improv in COVID? How do we do all of this? We're all trying to find a way to get rid of all the stuff that makes it not fun and, doesn't, and makes it not joyful for us. I, what do I want to keep? I've been thinking, I saw a thing on Instagram. <gasps> yeah. Now, it's not the best source of information. I just want everyone to know that. It's just people's <laughs> opinions and a lot of pictures with words on them. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't been on Instagram. Um, <laughs> and even if you have. And even if you have. Uh, you know who's been on Instagram? Social, Social rat. Social rat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, a couple weeks ago, I saw these picture with words I think they're called memes. Uh, <laughs> I saw it pop up, and it said something like um, some some something along the lines of uh, talking about when people use the words their best self, and maybe we should talk about it as our our favorite self. And I think what personally I like about improv is that when I'm in an improv context with improv people and on an improv stage, I find those are the moments in life where I can see the sparks of my favorite self. Mm. 
And I think that's true for a lot of people and that's why they keep coming back to it because there's lots of aspects in our everyday life where we don't get to be our favorite self or we don't get to present our favorite self to other people. And, um, and I like, I mean, maybe that's not the best way to describe it, but I think that's what I wanna keep in there is that it is a space for people to discover more things about themselves um, that they can put out into the world that is good. Mm. Yes, I definitely agree with that. For me, that ex that for me being on stage and improv is the place where I don't have to think, um, and uh, like where I can turn my brain off and just kind of be, uh, and that can be like that's quite rare. And I know there's lots of different ways people do that that are not improv like I understand meditation is very helpful for that um and other, you know lots of different practices but that to me is yeah a great way when you're improvising you can and you're in that flow state and again improv's not the only thing only creative form that does that but I think it's one that you can access it quite easily um so for me it's that it's that but then you have to do all the work around it out which involves a lot of non-just flow state business um, to make the space to, to do the being. I mean, some people probably could, you know, in the midst of a crowded subway, meditate quietly on their corner of the train, but, like, they probably had to practice a lot to get to that point, and lots of people still need to sit in a quiet room and carve out the time and do all the planning. And so, like, that's all the organisation we do around it and the practising so that we can spend that time just flipping being. It's a good time. We cracked it. Oh, great. Panel finished. <laughs> Panel done. Yeah, we've solved improv, everyone. <laughs> the problem that didn't need solving. Yeah. Do you, um, uh, do you feel like you're accessing that joy on a regular basis when you're improvising at the moment? I'm not talking... I mean, I, 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 don't, I think we've talked enough about COVID at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking generally for you personally, are you, do you feel like your play is accessing those joy reserves and that flow state? Do you want me to go Either first? Either yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, uh, so I don't get to improvise very much at the moment. Um, so in Nelson, things Im improv, I'm not going to talk about COVID, but I'm going to talk about COVID. Um, be after COVID or, you know, when COVID first came into our lives, um, improv kind of ceased to exist in Nelson. And Nelson is quite a small place and relies on very few people to organize things. So I would say that I don't get to improvise. I mean, in the past year and a half, I, not being in the festival, I have improvised twice outside of the festival situation, which is extremely sad for me. Um, and both of those times I was extremely terrified prior to the so the lead up to the performance was really not joyful um, because I felt very alone and um, and both times were shows that were not in Nelson they were in Christchurch and so I traveled to go be in those shows and I had a huge level of fear that because I hadn't been improvising, because I hadn't been training, because I hadn't been in that space with others connecting, that I was definitely gonna let everyone down. And um, so when I went into that space, I was 
not joyful. Um, but then what ended up happening was like my, my show, my first show in Christchurch was a two person show with Jeff Clark and myself. And I spent the entire week prior coming up with all kinds of schemes of how I could get out of the show. And um, Jeff did not allow this <laughs> to occur. <laughs> and so I did do the show and um, I was kind of thrown in the deep end because Jeff and I had never improvised together before. And we also didn't get to do a warm up um, because the show that was on before us at Little Andromeda went like 25 minutes over. So uh, we were just thrown into the room and the audience came in and we just looked at each other and we're like, we're doing a thing. And then we went out and we did it. And it was amazing. And I was like, oh, I, this, is, this is joyful. And I just overthought it. Um, and the same thing happened when I did the saboteur there. I, the, the same lead up, even though I should have had a different you know, approach to it based on what had happened with Jeff, um, but I didn't. I was terrified and the cast was incredible. And I was like, ooh, lordy lord, uh, this, this, this pal is the weakest link. And then I went and you know, I was with people who were incredibly supportive and who loved me greatly. And I was completely safe. And then I was able to feel that joy. Um, so I think in answer to your question, on stage, I feel the joy. In the lead up, no sorry, Bob. Yeah, similarly, I've done less improv this year than probably in recent years and for a sort of combination of reasons of, um, yeah, COVID has affected things, performance opportunities, um, uh, some medical stuff I've had this year and just um, I've been really busy in my day job so I haven't had a lot of space beyond that. But the times that I have got to improvise this year, which were, you know, the soap we did earlier in the year uh, and then we do our monthly, in theory, locomotive one-act play. Uh, and then, of course, this week at the festival have really reminded me of that. Be it one, yeah, just once you get there and be there, it, it's, it's, it's the good stuff. Um, I mean, not every single time, and there's certainly shows where you're like, oh, ah, ugh. But, you know, a lot of the time you, you get in, and you have that beautiful connection and, you know, what we all know it can be like. Um, so... Yeah, I, I have, um, but I'm increasingly like I just ha I haven't been doing the organising of shows. I'm like I'm, and I don't have any expectations of other people organising shows for me to be in. So therefore, if shows happen and I, you know, I'm invited to perform, then I will. But likewise, I also recognise that if I'm not putting, if I'm not creating the space in the show, then logical conclusion that I may end up not improvising, which I've also kind of made my peace with, I guess, um, just for a variety of reasons. But, yeah. Mm. How about you, Jen? I have had swings and roundabouts, I think, the last 18 months, as we all have, for various reasons. But, I mean, I've got extra reasons in terms of massive life changes because I had a baby, and that was huge. And and I was huge. <laughs> um, I was a manatee. Um, uh, but... Uh, just thinking about how, like, the things that have pulled us away from improv uh, 
weren't, you know, weren't necessarily our own choices, you know, like things happened that meant that improv didn't happen as much and it was harder to get back into. And then, uh, like, the amount of focus I've been able to devote to, you know, putting on shows, which is something that I do a lot of. I do a lot of admin for the festival. I do a lot of admin in, in my... Like, I'm very rarely in a show that I didn't organise. I'm very... I don't know that I am... I can't remember the last time I was in a show that I didn't organise, um, which means that if I don't organise shows, I'm probably not going to be in shows. But I have sort of got used to the point of being able to have admin brain right up until the showtime and then turn that off and turn on show brain so that I can experience the joy. Generally, that works. I don't know that it's worked as well the last year, which makes it harder to switch to joy brain because I'm still in panic mode a little bit. Um, I've said it to several people. I've just got this sort of low-level buzz of anxiety going on this week because I don't know at, at what point, at any time, we could get cancelled. At any time, someone could pull out. Two very key people from the festival aren't here, um, which means I'm picking up a lot of slack, which makes it hard to be happy on stage. And I have, a, you know, extreme... I, I, can't, I can't ignore home life at the moment. I mean, it's not that I ignored my partner, but he's self-sufficient. He can feed himself. <laughs> my baby can't do that. Um, yeah, I just feel very much pulled in different directions, which makes it hard to just focus in one direction while I'm on stage. Having said that, I had a great time last night when I was in the show. I really enjoyed, I think my favourite scene was being the detective, um, <laughs> who was thrilled to be taken on an adventure of murder mystery. And I really, I had a lovely time doing that. Uh, and I really, I, I love that moment of saying something and hearing everybody laugh, not because I'm like, yeah, it was clever, but because of the thing I was saying wasn't, I didn't expect him to laugh at something, you know, that mm -hmm. different feeling. Yes, Jen, I wonder if the reason partly you enjoyed that detective scene so much is you wanted to be taken on an adventure. You wanted someone to create an adventure for you. Like, you know, that you didn't have to organise mm. and that's what you got to do in that show. In that scene, in that show. Yeah, it's a metaphor. Well, it's not really, it's, it's quite literal. Yeah. <laughs> it's very literal, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, you must relate to the organisation thing. Because you, you're, you're, you're a driving person, Laura. You're a very, you drive stuff, you drive projects. And it's hard when you're the person who drives things to take breaks, I find. It's hard when it feels like people rely on you for their creative outlets. Um, and it's hard when you taking a break makes you feel like, well, if I don't do that thing, it won't happen. And I want mm. that thing to happen. I just want someone else to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's definitely true. And it um, then there's this strange juxtaposition where you're like, well, if no one else is going to do it, then that thing is going to die. And you're like, well, okay, does that make me a failure then? <laughs> because that thing died away. That brought me and a lot of other people joy. But when it's time for me to stop doing it, then everyone's like, hey, uh, why is there no improv? Mm. And you're like, well, why don't you do it? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and it is, that, it is that thing of sometimes you get to a point where you are wearing too many hats mm -hmm. and you need to, like, you know, that old metaphor, you know, you, you have to fill up your own cup so you can pour into someone else's. Mm -hmm. And I've just personally found that in the last um, 18 months uh, that my cup has been severely empty. Mm. And, you know, there's been a lot of, it's not just COVID that has done that. It's been a lot of things um, that are 
most, mostly related. As you get older, I don't know how old people are. I'm old. Um, but as you get older, you kind of go, okay, what are the things that I want to put my time into? Mm-hmm. And when I was a little bit younger, I would go, I'm going to do that thing and 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 that. And, you know, like you just go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I went back to rehearsals and training at our theater company when Ivy was two weeks old. And she came with me, you know, and I was like, I'm going, let's, we're doing this. Um, whereas now I'm like, oh, there's a thing in two weeks. I'm going to check my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like something got, has to fill you up so that you still have that. Um, the engine mm-hmm. is going, you know, and that's, I don't know if it's a location thing, but I find that very much so in Nelson. Building on that, I was thinking about this in the previous panel that we just heard where people, the, someone asked, the, I think Jen actually, you asked the question about the tension between create, you know, recognising and building opportunities for accessibility versus trying to just make stuff in general and people doing this. And Ryan, I think, answered around, well, his suggestion was to go and develop corporate work and then use that, the for the, ga- for the gains from that to fund the kind of more, um, yeah, the, the work that you really want to do. But what I have thought been thinking about a lot over the last year, both in the context of, like, creative work and also, um, you know, work in general, is that how, um, you know, in a capitalist society we are... It's like we're being squeezed smaller and smaller. So the things you're talking about are symptomatic of you're talking about filling you know you need to fill your cup up to to do to be able to what's the metaphor fill your cup so you can fill others but like there's literally uh the liquid in the cups is 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 being funneled off to like third parties (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah uh what I mean that sounded almost conspiracy like but what I'm trying to say (laughs) is um that people are trying to do more and more with less and less and that's affecting people and at various levels. And so in something that has always been a precarious industry, such as the arts, it's always been difficult to make a living and it's becoming more and more difficult for various reasons. And and then we are also conscious of trying to make it a better space for people and, like you say, create opportunities for this to happen. And it's just a lot mm-hmm. to hold. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, trying to find a way to make you know, survive financially ourselves and it's, there's a lot of um, pressure, I guess. So we were talking about how we're going to keep this upbeat and happy, this one, but um, yeah, and it's like, I guess for me coming back and even those moments of the pure interaction that you have in improv where you sort of strip away all of the everything else, uh, the workshops, it's like, at its very basicness, basic level, you actually, in some ways, don't need a huge amount to have a nice time in improv, mm. which I think is sort of what Susan was saying. In some ways, it could be the most accessible art form. But, yeah. I have a vision of a question that builds on that, I think, which is that I was thinking as I was listening to you both about how I feel like my ambition in what I want out of my improv has changed. Um, and I think that that links to, you know, how much energy I'm prepared to put into different things and how much energy I, I have coming in that are available to me. You know, like the 
the um, scarcity of energy in, energy out, where do I want to spend my time? Because I don't, I don't know where I was aiming previously, I think, is something that I've realised I haven't really thought of. I was like, what do I want? Do I want to just keep becoming better at improv and sell bigger shows and be bigger and eventually be famous? Because there's so many famous improvisers in New Zealand. Like, is that what I'm aiming for? Is it that I'm aiming to be able to do it full-time professionally? Is it that I'm aiming to get to the point where other people want to do the admin for me? <laughs> Imagine if I had, like, a queue of producers all trying to... Oh, my God. Um, or do I... What do I want to exist? And when will I know I've got there? And... And when do I have? When can I stop thinking bigger and start thinking longer? Mm. If that makes sense. Like, perfect example is the improv festival. We started quite small, and it's grown and it's grown and it's grown, and uh, we've had to shrink a little bit the last two years. But but where is the happy medium where we go? This is a good size. This is a good shape that can keep going forwards, and this is something that can be passed on to other creatives and producers to make, so that. Um, for, for anybody who missed the lightning talks, which we will publish, I um, I intend to effectively retire as director of the festival um, and have someone either either take a year off next year or have other other people just hand it off. I just I need to do new projects. It's been nine years. I need new projects. But like, have I got it into a state where someone can take it and do what they want with it next? And what what do I want to work on? That's and where do I want it to get to? Basically, like I have ambitions with locomotive. But I don't intend to take over Wellington Improv and be a huge improv school, you know? Like, I'm like, I want to run classes because I want to teach. How many classes do I want to teach? Enough. I don't need to teach a million classes. How many shows do I want to run? Enough. Yeah. Mm. Do you have thoughts on your ambition and, and how it's scaled in your... I was going to say in your later years, but that makes you sound like you're really <laughs> fucking old and that's not what I mean. In your middle years, in your... As, as a more experienced improviser, do you feel like your ambition has scaled up or down or where, where does it sit compared to how you used to feel? Ooh, that's a big question. Thank you. Ooh, la la. Okay, uh, where does my ambition, where is my ambition? I've had a, a, like a very tumultuous 18 months. So I, it's hard to say where my ambition is because when I come to the festival, I'm like, oh... There's so much that can be done. <laughs> the world is ours. Um, but then I go home and I'm like, oh, geez, everybody. Um, and I'm like this Jekyll and Hyde kind of character that has all of these big dreams and big plans. And, you know, like as you two know, um, after the festival two years ago, I was supposed to move to L.A. Mm. And... Um, I was very excited about what the prospects were there with the level of improv I felt I was at. And, um, and the level of, because also my, in my profession, I'm an actor. And so I wanted to go there and basically use improv and my improv connections. And um, you know, for, for people who don't know in LA, improv is a very sought after commodity. Uh, people who, a lot of casting directors will not even look at you unless you have, for, for any TV show, unless you have at least a level one, level two at one of the big improv companies. And so people are constantly going to do improv. And I was like, oh, I could be in a very uh, good position going over there. Yeah. 
um, because I know a lot of improvisers there, and um, and I have been improvising for a, a while, 16 years. And so I was like, hmm, okay, this is gonna be great. And then I was right off the back of the festival where we'd had this huge connection and this, you know, so my ambition was like at a, like a 500 <laughs> out of 10. And, <laughs> and then the world came crashing around us. And I kind of had to go, have I had like a bigger idea of who I need to be and what I need to put into the world? Okay, I need to be present where I am instead of constantly belonging for something that has been taken away from me and going, oh, I'm always in the wrong place. I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. That was my line for like a good six to eight months. Oh, I'm in Nelson on borrowed time. I'm not supposed to be here. In my mind, I was literally living a parallel life. What would I be doing today, right now, if I was there? Because we had basically the, the next six months of our lives planned out because we had all of these, you know, all these flights booked, all these places we were going to go. And a lot of that did have to do with improv and, and acting and, and things like that. And so when that was kind of peeled away, I kind of had to go, okay, at the core of myself as a performer, as a creator, as an artist, as an actor, um, what what is the center of this? And where is the joy in it? And I did not find it for a very long time. And it wasn't until about a month ago that um, there was a very uh, explosive situation that happened in the Nelson Theater community. Kind of broke everything open for me personally, where I kind of went, ho, oh, hold on. Uh, I wanted to get back into things because I felt like that's what I needed to do um, because that's who I am. Um, and then... There was scare quotes around that, people listening. Yeah, that was... Who uh, I am. Who I am. Um, and then I went, whoa, 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 lady. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's not... Nope. Mm-mm. That's not what you're... That's not who you are. That's not the your vibe. Um, and so I said, Nope. I'm not gonna be doing that uh, in that environment, uh, which was not a safe environment for people. And so I stepped away and I was really depressed because I was like, okay, I tried to do a thing, but it wasn't the right thing. And, um, and then one day I woke up, it was like a few days later when I had time to kind of decompress after all of that. And I woke up and it was like, I don't know what happened. It was a weird, like, I'm not a, like, I don't know, the, the universe moves and you know, I kind of go along with it. I don't know what's out there. I don't have any opinion about what's out in the world that we can't see. Um, come to iFiles tonight. Come to iFiles. <laughs> come to my show, iFiles tonight. Um, the truth is out there. Uh, but I woke up one day, and it was almost like something audibly said, it's time. You're done now. And I just got up, and I was like a different person. And I was like, okay, uh, artist Laura is back. I'm done wallowing. Uh, that time is over, and it's time to create something great. And that's uh, when I came up with my new idea, which um, is not improv-based, but um, 
I gathered a couple of people around that were kind of in the same space as me, and I said, um, hey, we were supposed to be creating something else at the moment. Uh, I have an idea that we can do that um, could be safe in COVID, and we take a show to people in their gardens, outdoors, and um, we put on the most joyful rendition ever witnessed of A Midsummer Night's Dream, and we just literally try to bottle up joy and silliness and fun and delight and mischief, and we take it to people. And these kind of eight people that I pulled in all said yes in a day. And it has been the most delightful experience. And so I realized that at my core, all I really want to do is like, and I don't know if this sounds pretentious, I don't really fucking care. Um, all I really want to do at my center is make people happy. And, um, you know, I think I put a lot of things on my art in the past is like, you know, th theater is the seeing place. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like I studied at Stella Adler and that's one of her quotes. You know, theater is the seeing place. It's where people come to see um, a reflection of life and the human condition. And I think at the moment, my, at my center is that we just really need joy. And I wasn't capable of providing that for a long time. And I feel that I am now. I'm very happy for you. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> I think what you're speaking about is how, as creatives, what you know, we need to take care of ourselves to be able to do what we want to do. I'm kind of, I don't know, if, I don't know. If, I've uh, maybe if, how many years ago? I don't know, seven or something. I decided I actually like a, for a long time I was working, working, working at improv, and I'm like. What, what can I, how can I make this more of who I am and make money out of this and make this my job or what have you? And then it, it got to a point where I'm like, I don't want that. Um, and for me now, improv is, I think I've become profoundly unambitious, uh, actually. Not maybe just in terms of improv, maybe just in terms of life in general. I want actually just a quite simple existence. <laughs> um, <laughs> where I get to, like, maybe do improv sometimes and play and have, like, the, like the, the social rap moments. Those absolutely... <laughs> that, that's what I love. Like, those kind of absurd, I guess, and beautiful little... Like, the world is weird. There's so much weird stuff. That's what I love about improv is, like, that you don't get with other art forms is that unexpectedness of it. And so for me, I just want opportunities to see that kind of weird stuff happen. Um, I want to have time and space to, to, to read and, and just be and exist. And so for me, improv is just like something fun that I can hopefully do from time to time um, and watch other people who are, I think, really creative and incredible, like yourselves and a lot of the people in this room, make weird stuff up. And whether that's, like, at the festival or in other weird places, then that's kind of what I want, I think, from improv, is just moments of getting to be weird with other people. Mm. <laughs> 
So we're keeping that in the in the bowl, being weird. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Keep the weird in. Um, I wonder how much people's um, struggle with improv is that reconciling what they want out of it versus what's what they can feasibly get, um, like that gap. It's it's like the taste gap where. When you is it is it Ira Glass's whole big thing about the, the gap in taste where you are when you first learn something you're like having the best time and you love it and then you learn more about that that skill and that craft and you see what you want you see the kind of work that you want your work to be and then you look at your work and it's not there yet and that gap is infuriating because your taste has developed faster than your skill has and so there's this constant sort of chasing of going like I want to be that much better I want to be better. Um, yeah, and so like when you when you're constantly going, I'm not there yet. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not doing big enough shows. I'm not doing funny enough shows or clever enough shows. Then yeah, you get frustrated and dissatisfied. Okay, in improv, I think like I don't know if this is true for everyone. I can't say it's true for everyone. Um, but for me, I I want to prove that improv is worth people seeing and mm. doing. Yeah. And sometimes I find that difficult because people are like, ooh, improv, that's a... Wow, that was an interesting noise. Um, they're like, ooh, improv, like, um, that's a kooky thing you do, Laura, you funny little thing. Um, yeah, what do you... I have decided I profoundly don't care what people think about improv. Hey! <laughs> hey. <laughs> like, I think it is great and can be great, and, but I'm also like... I don't care what people think about it. Like, either they will or they won't come and experience it. Like, um, last night I was thinking, because I did the murder mystery, and I was like, oh, I'm not getting any ask for. Oh, maybe they won't think it's improvised. Oh, I don't care. Like. <laughs> yes. Or, like, oh, I don't really know what this is. Oh, I don't care. Like. <laughs> I think I'm, prov I'm maybe, maybe instead of ambition, I'm I'm sort of bringing apathy, <laughs> but like joyful apathy. I don't even know if it's that joyful. <laughs> I think it just is. Sometimes it's joyful. I definitely feel happy sometimes when I do improv, and joyful. And when you meet social rat. Yeah, I actually I'd like to revise my ambition. I think I want to actually be social rat I think that's my true ambition social it's rat's got to be a rat that trolls people on the internet no to be a felt puppet that Ann <laughs> controls thank you for the clarification this, oh my goodness I feel like we could go on and on forever but I think that Maria wants to, to take some questions if there are any yes that was um, awesome I think there were some really really fascinating points um, there so um, this is the Chime um, live audience of ghouls um, you are welcome <laughs> nope we'll edit that out um, <laughs> uh, no we won't and we will edit in the car alarm that I hear outside uh, if you've got any questions um, to just pop down and um, just kind of squat here and ask them into the microphone. I can see Tara coming. Hello. So, uh, sort of linked to what you were saying, Christine, I have a friend who I made a new friend as an adult, which was rare. Well done. Thank you. And um, they didn't know me from improv and then I said to them, oh, I do improv comedy. And later on in our friendship, she said to me, yeah, when you said that, I was like, oh, shit. I'm going to have to go to these improv shows and pretend it's funny and pretend I'm having a good time because she had this perception that improv was awful and boring and terrible to watch. 
Would we um, say mediocre? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's probably because the type of improv that she had watched or seen had been mm, maybe an outdated form of improv. Um, and as three strong wahine in improv, if you had people saying, oh, I don't know, is an improv just um, people standing up there and trying to be funny and failing? What would you, like, how would you sell what improv is now compared to what improv has been previously? Uh, I have had these conversations recently because for those of you who don't know, when all performance ended for me, I somehow accidentally got a job as a gym instructor, which is weird. <laughs> um, and so all these people are like, what? what is the thing? What is the thing you do? And I'm just like, well, team, it's joyful abandonment. And it's people going on stage and just radiating fun and connection and joy. And if that sounds like a cool thing to you, then I think you would dig it. And I think that they would. I don't know. That would be how I would describe it. I probably would just be like, yeah, don't come. I am so sure at. I um, destroy relationships on the internet. No, um, <laughs> I, I think we're all familiar with that experience of when people hear that you do improv and they're like, oh, and then something mildly funny happens in the workplace and they're like, you can use that for your skits, you know, <laughs> save that up for your improv. And I'm like, you know what? Thank you. That is a great gift that I will gladly accept. And if it was someone that I sort of cared about as opposed to someone I didn't care about, <laughs> there's a diminishing number, um, <laughs> I would probably t say improv can be all sorts of things. It can be improvised plays. It can be, um, it can be narrative long-form stories. It can be relationship drama. It can be anything that other art forms can be. And actually, it really depends on the show that you're going to. Don't come to mine. I'll be performing as a felt rat for the <laughs> in my solo show. <laughs> Amazing. I, I think I have a combination of these two answers, which is that um, depending on the person, I mean, some people, if they're like, mm, improv's a bit shit, and they don't feel, and I don't feel like there's someone that I'm actually going to be able to converse with, then I will just be like, oh, that's not everyone likes everything. That's fine, you know. It's fine if you don't like improv. You don't have to like it. Not everyone has to like everything. Um, but if they're like, isn't improv just blah, 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 and some curious, then I would go for, you know, it's joyful, it's on stage, it's, it's making things up. I think it's like that thing when people go, oh, improv sucks, or like, oh, I hate, I hate television. I hate um, movies. Like, like, it's weird to form an opinion about an entire um, medium, when you haven't experienced that many varieties of that medium. Like if you've only, if you've only had um, apples, you don't know how good fruit salad can be. I um, don't really care for juggling. Yeah, that's, that's fine. You don't have to like juggling. <laughs> I just wanted to say it publicly. Uh, Joe, my husband Joe also does not like juggling, but it's really fucking good at it. What else don't you like, Laura? Say it. Puppets. <laughs> That's true. I think we've answered your question. Do we have any more questions from our beautiful audience members? I would love to ask you how improv influenced your life. Like if it was some change there or like, yeah, are you finding it like 
that you're using it in your daily life or not? Okay, I just have a really quick story to tell based on that. Um, so improv has influenced my life in a huge amount of ways. Um, it has brought me my very best friends. It has brought me a community of people that um, I uh, trust and love and um, that I feel are like family to me. Um, but recently, a really big uh, life thing has happened in that my son, who is 14, uh, he won't listen to this podcast, it's fine. Um, he did the youth program this year and two years ago. So he's the only person who has done all the youth programs at NZIF. I accidentally saw an exchange between him and another one of the youth program. And uh, in it, she said, I, I'm so nervous about the show tomorrow. And he said, don't worry, we'll take care of you. We've got you, you are safe. And I was like, <sighs> and then she said, yeah, it's just all of this is so interesting and so new for me. And he was like, improv is a great life skill. <laughs> Isn't it an amazing skill to have? And I was like, my job as a parent is done. <laughs> so yeah, so that's one thing. I was like, oh my God, everything that I've said for the last 14 years, he's actually taken on board. And I was like, before he came to do this, I thought he was at the age where it was like, everything my mom does is stupid. And uh, this is all kind of, he's very cool. Like, I will never be as cool as what this kid is. And, um, and I was like, oh, he might not like it this year. He might like, have outgrown it. And then I saw that exchange, and I was like, brain explosion. Yeah. For me, I, I maintain and have done for a number of years. I'm, actually, I'm not a very good improviser on any of the kind of technical elements. And the, but the, I'm, the one thing I have going for me is that I... <laughs> this is all actually incorrect. I commit. I, it, it's not. It's true. I will commit, and a hundred percent to mm. the reality, or breaking the reality, or whatever. I will commit. I will commit. And um, and in my own in my life, I'm a. I think overthink things. I'm. Con I can't turn my brain off. What improv has given me is the ability to just sometimes commit to a thing. And just go in and not worry too much if I fuck it up. And know that actually people will probably forgive me because I've committed. And um, so I'm thinking like in work and in relationships, that sort of thing. Like just just commit um, to, to, to it, whatever, mm. whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I also met my partner and many of my best friends through improv. So I guess that was okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, I think for me, um, improv the, the skills of improv have, um, I think, helped. Just helped. I want to believe have helped me to be a better person. I think that I want to believe the truth is out. The improv is out there. Um, that um, is, <laughs> is that the two? The, the I files improv is out there. Um, I, I think that the skills of improv, if you apply them generously to how you interact with people on a person-to-person -person basis in a, at the workplace, in, in your relationships and everything, you know, if you're listening to people 
everything they're telling you, not just the words. If you're um, if you're present in all that sort of stuff and you're making people around you look good, you're going to have a better time. And I think that I have a better time for those reasons. Um, and, and then, like, uh, as a as an art form, like, wider-wise, I, I mean, I... I did improv from when I was 12 through to university and then I dropped out for about a couple of years because of a boyfriend. Um, and it was... Sh- boo. Boo. boo! 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 The queen of... He's a king of filth. Um, no, um, he'll never listen to this. Uh, and we keep and saying that about people and it's going to come back to bite us. Look, if you have been mentioned on this podcast... <laughs> sorry about it. Deal with it. Social rat. I apologize. <laughs> uh, yes, this boyfriend. I, I left improv and comedy. I was doing stand-up comedy as well. I left both of them uh, for a while. And then when we broke up, I was he got the friends in the relationship. You know how that is when you know uh, we were like 21, 22. <laughs> but I bumped into my friend Adam Williamson that I'd done improv with at university, and he told me he was taking some beginner classes again, and wasn't that funny, and maybe I should come and join him. And I joined WIT, and I met Christine, and I met all these other beautiful people, and now I run the festival, and I have, like, this career, and I have all this beautiful, this network of people around the world, not just New Zealand, like, around the place, and I'm so grateful for that. Like, it's beautiful. I also have a lot of headaches, but um, <laughs> that's, I think that comes with any job you have. Like, I don't know anybody who has a job that is 100% perfect and easy all the time. And if you do have that job, I don't want to hear it. I don't. do. I want to know what the job is. I don't. I, oh. don't, I want to I want, I'll be sad otherwise. Work is a scam. <laughs> Capitalism is a nightmare. On that uh, beautiful note. Um, <laughs> Thank you uh, so much to you three, just wonderful humans. Um, it's so lovely to hear you talk about your improv. Thank you so much, you guys. That was awesome. This episode was produced and edited by me, Aaron Douglas, and made possible thanks to New Zealand Improvisation Trust and Creative New Zealand. The New Zealand Improv Festival ran 4th to the 16th of October, 2021, at Tifanga Nui Wellington's Bats Theatre. Learn more about it at improvfest.nz or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. <laughs>